And God wants us to come together. And this year, as we come together in Vacation Bible School, we're going to be teaching our children many things about the greatness of God. But one of the things that we're going to do every day is there's three things that we do in Vacation Bible School um, that we teach our children. And we're going to actually do those same three things right now in today's adult message. And so up in here, and you also have it there on your um, outline, is what our Vacation Bible School is called Jungle Safari. And the kids are going to know three things every day. And so they're going to know what's so great about God. And we're going to learn what's so great about, at least one of the great things about God today. They're going to explore the nature of God, and we're going to explore the nature of God. And they're going to learn how they can serve God in real, practical ways. And we're going to learn how we can serve God in real and practical ways. And so as we look into our scripture today, you have Matthew chapter 18. And it's very similar to the Mark verse that we shared with the children just a minute ago. And it's Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. And uh, I'd like you to read that with me, and you have it there on your outline. And you can um, start with me there. The first word is at, okay? Matthew 18, 1 through 5. Oh, we also have some Bibles there. Um, If somebody down the middle aisle, we just pass them to the outside aisle. And those are gifts for those of you who are here today, um, who are guests. Uh, You can take that home with you if you don't have a Bible, if you just want an extra Bible. It's the New International Version, and that's the version that we most often use here at Harvest. Uh, But that's a gift for you. So Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 5. Let's read it together. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. Jesus was teaching his disciples many things while he was on earth. And one of the things that his disciples was learning was that Jesus had a kingdom. Jesus spoke about the kingdom all the time. When he began to preach, he said, the kingdom of God is here. And so the disciples understood that since Jesus had a kingdom, then there had to be a king. Wherever there's a kingdom, there's a king. And Jesus was the king. And this is the great thing that we learn about Jesus. So when the disciples asked that question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? They asked because they knew they were talking to the king. So what's so great about God, and we'll be teaching this to our children, is what's so great about God is he is the king. We think about the jungle, and who's the king of the jungle? The lion, right? And so we'll be able to talk to children about the lion that God made with his beautiful mane. And remember, when I was in Africa, our jeep, as we went on the safari, took us close to a lion. It's magnificent, and it was beautiful. But one of the interesting things was that Andy was with me, and he had this really powerful, cool camera, and he took a close-up picture of the face of the lion. And he has that picture. And if you look at it, you will see there are probably hundreds of flies on the face of that lion, like pimples, right? And so here's the, the king of the jungle, right? But he was just infested with flies. And no matter how majestic, majestic something is on earth, no matter how wonderful something is on earth, there's always like a fly in the ointment, right? There's always something on it. And he said that the, the flies on that, the face of that elephant reminded him of why we were actually in Africa. 
And that is because we were there to see what was happening as World Vision, which is a a relief agency our church supports, was helping with the AIDS pandemic that's in Africa. And we were there to meet widows and orphans of family members who had died of AIDS. And he says those flies represented AIDS to him. It reminded him of the brokenness of Africa. And so even though there's great and majestic things in this world, and we think, wow, you know, they're really great. I think we know that there are things in this world, like flies, that, that really are, are part of our, our real-life world, and it hurts. And, and we want to find a victory. We want to find an answer to it. And Jesus says, I'm greater than the king of the jungle. I am the king of the kingdom. I am the king of the universe. And that's why I came. In Isaiah, you have this verse there on your outline. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. It's a verse that we often hear at Christmas time because it talks 700 years before Jesus was born. Isaiah the prophet wrote these words about the coming king. Let's read these words together. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. What does the king bring? The king brings with him the fact that he is a wonderful counselor. He is a wonderful comforter to those of us who are in need. He is also a mighty God, is another name of Jesus. These are four names of Jesus. He is mighty God. He is in control of all things. He will make all things work out in the end. And he is everlasting Father. Just last week, we celebrated Father's Day. And not everybody on earth has had a great father. But all of us can have the greatest father of all, our Heavenly Father. And Jesus' name includes the fact that He is God and He is like His Heavenly Father. So much so that He can be called Everlasting Father and that He has the qualities of a Father of love and of goodness and of kindness. You know, children like to say, at least when I was a kid, we used to like to say, my dad is better than your dad. Say, oh yeah, well, what makes your dad better than my dad? Well, my dad is bigger than your dad. Yeah, well, my dad's stronger than your dad. Yeah, well, my dad has a better car than your dad. Well, you know what? Well, my dad has a bigger house than your dad. Well, my dad is richer than your dad. You know, but I think the best answer, I wish I would have thought of it back then, but I think about it now. But what I would say now is, you know what makes my dad better than your dad? And they go, what? And I say, because he's my dad. You can say that of God. You can say that your dad is better than any dad. And they go, well, yeah, how? Well, my dad is God. No one can beat that. And God in Jesus came to us. And he didn't come to beat us over the head. And he didn't come to force us into submission. And he didn't come to hurt us. He didn't come to judge us. He came to forgive us. And so his last name there in Isaiah is Prince of Peace. He came to give us the thing that all of us long for every day. 
We all need peace. We all want peace. And this is what the king of heaven brings with him, a peace. And so Jesus wants his disciples to understand that he is the king of the kingdom. But this kingdom isn't what is on earth. And that's where the disciples lost their sight. They started thinking, oh, I want to be like prince of the kingdom. No, I want to be prince of the kingdom. I want to sit next to Jesus on his kingdom. And I want to be in control of things here on earth. I want to be in control of California. No, I want to be in control of all the western states. No, I want to be in charge of the United States. No, you know, I want to be in charge of all of North America. They were just fighting over what they could be in control of on earth. And Jesus saying, no, 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 guys, stop it, slow down. Let's go back to square one. My kingdom is not about this world. My kingdom is about another kingdom, a kingdom that's yet to come, a kingdom where everything will be made right, a kingdom that is the kingdom of God, is the kingdom of heaven. That's my kingdom. And the way for you to get into my kingdom is to follow me and to trust me, and to love me, and to obey me, and to know me like a little child would follow me and love me. That's the kind of king I am. I'm so great, I'm humble, and I want to be with children. Jesus never lost sight of the kingdom. And Jesus never forgot that he was the king. But he wasn't the kind of king that we often associate with kings in this world, rich and powerful and famous, but who die. This king would never die. But first, he did have to die a death for our sins. He had to pay the price so that we could have peace and prove that he truly was the king of a greater kingdom than just the king of the earth, but the king of heaven. In John chapter 18, towards the end of Jesus' life, he was standing before Pilate, and Pilate was judging him and going to send him to the cross. And so we read in John chapter 18, Jesus is speaking to Pilate, And he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. In fact, for this reason, I was born. And for this, I came into the world to testify to the truth. Jesus knew he was the king. And he was the king of the kingdom. And the way for us to enter into that kingdom is to follow the king and to know the king. And like Jesus said, he came as a king in this world, but he was a king who would die. He was a king who would be humble. And that is his nature. And so the second thing that we will talk to the children each day is we're going to talk about the nature of God. What's God like? And what we find out in these verses is that God is humble He is humble. And so we read there in verses 2, 3, and 4. He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus used a child to teach them what it means to be humble. Jesus wanted the disciples to see that in this child there were qualities that all of us could have, but also in this child there were qualities that Jesus had. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, you have that verse there on your outline. Jesus speaks about what his, he is like. Jesus talks about his own nature. Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Would you read that out loud with me? Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Jesus says, 
Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus invites us to come to him, to know his peace. Do you ever feel weary? Do you feel weary, maybe even right now? Do you have a burden right now? Do you know someone who's feeling very weary? Do you know someone who's feeling very burdened? Jesus relates to that because he himself is humble. He has felt what it's like to be tired when he came in the flesh. He knows what we go through. And he says himself, he declares, I am gentle and I am humble in heart. And so he brings a little child before them so that they could see what humility is like. And you think of a child, and and their physical characteristics, of course, are characteristics of one who would be humble. They are small. Many times they are just very simple, and always they are weak. And yet a child has so many favorable qualities that we associate with good things in this world. They are humble. They have no achievements that they can hold on to and go, well, I'm really special. I'm really good because I've done all this. And they don't have a lot of accomplishments. They don't have a lot of money. They don't have much power. And yet they're so powerful. They are trusting. A good child is obedient. And most children are very sensitive and agreeable to correction. And so Jesus brings a child before them and he has this little child stand there. And then in the Matthew, in the Mark version of that same verse, we see that Jesus took that child and he held him in his arms. And this is what Jesus wants to do with all of our children. And this is what Jesus wants to do with all of us. But of course, all of us here are adults. And so how do we become like little children? Jesus says, well, you have to change. In verse 4, he says, I tell you the truth, unless you change. So he knows. Jesus knows. He's talking to adults. He's talking to his disciples. He goes, you guys, you forgot what it was like to be like a little child. So you've got to change. You've got to go back and be like a little child. You know, that's not easy to do. How, how do we do that? Can you make yourself a little child again? No, you can't. Not physically. So what Jesus is talking about is something that's internal, not external. It's something that happens within our hearts, within our souls. It's something that happens as we choose to make right decisions. It's something that happens by an exercise of the will when we decide that we're going to do something. And what Jesus says is you have to choose to not try to act like people who are in control of everything. You have to act like people who aren't so proud and you have to change. You, like the disciples were being very proud, right? They wanted to be the greatest in God's kingdom. They wanted to have the first seat and the right seat. They wanted to be the person who other people say, oh, those person's really great. And Jesus goes, no, you forgot. That's not what I'm not like. I'm not like that. You have to not be proud. You have to choose to be humble. C.S. Lewis in his work, Mere Christianity, talks about a vice that can really bring us down. In fact, the worst thing of life that can destroy us, a nature that can be in all of us, a nature that is in all of us, a nature that each of us has to choose to fight against so that we could become humble. 
And he says in mere Christianity, there is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone loathes when he sees is in someone else. There is no fault that can make a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. And the more we have it ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice that I am talking about is pride, unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride destroys us. God doesn't want to destroy us, nor does he want pride to bring us down. And so he calls us to be humble. And he brings this beautiful child. We had 30, 40 children up here. Each of them a picture of what Jesus was saying. This is what humility is all about. This is what it means to be humble. This is what I want for you, to have a childlike heart. I want you to be humble so that you can know what it's like to be human to be loved, to be at peace. Now, to be humble doesn't mean to put yourself down. It also means doesn't mean that you think more of yourselves than you ought, nor thinking less of yourself than you ought. It's thinking rightly about yourself. You are an important person. You are a person whom God can use for great things in this world, and you can still be humble. You are a great person as you are like a child. When you think of a great and humble person, who comes to mind? You know, when I think about um, humble people in this world, um, I think of mothers. I think of moms and all that they do for us. and, And all the sacrifice they give, from carrying us to delivering us to feeding us to bathing us to sacrificing for us to dying to themselves for us. They're usually with us more than any other person in all the world that, that cares and, and loves and teaches and nurtures us. And, and most of us just love and adore our mothers. Why? Because they're humble. But you know what? There was a mother in this world who wasn't, who never had a husband, who never had a man, who never had a baby, And yet she maybe is the most famous mother in all the world. Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa wrote this about humility. She said, humility is the mother of all virtues. Purity, charity, and obedience. It is in being humble that our love becomes real, devoted, and ardent. If you are humble, nothing will touch you neither praise nor disgrace, because you know what you are. If you are blamed, you will not be discouraged. If you are a saint, you will not put yourself on a pedestal. She understood humility. And we can understand humility. This is the nature of God. And this is what we're going to explore with the children during VBS. This is what we're exploring today, that God is a humble person. God is not prideful. God loves us and he wants us to be humble too. 
And it is something that we can practice in very practical ways. We can serve God in practical ways by being childlike, by being like children in our heart and then in our actions. In verse 5, Jesus says, And whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. I mean, one of the things I just love, I mean, I really love kids, right? And I love it when I get down on my hands and knees and I put out my arms and the child just runs away from me, right? You know, it's like, it's like oh, gee, what did I do wrong, you know? And, and, and I say maybe half the children that I come across are that way, right? You know, I try and I try, but you know what I do is I make it my goal to become that child's friend. Like, when the child runs away from me, I don't go, okay, I'm going to be your friend either, you know? forget you. I go, no, you know, this is a challenge, all right? This is a challenge. I want this child to love me. I want this child to care for me, and I, I, I want this child to know that I'm safe, right? Because that's why they don't want to come to me. You that or because I'm ugly. But in any case, I can't change the ugly, but I, I can be nice, okay? But then there's the other children, and I put out my arms, they go, and they run into my arms, and they hug me. It just makes me so happy. And Jesus is saying that this is what we can be. We can be a people with open arms, welcoming children. And not every child's going to want to come to us. Not every person's going to want to come to us. But we can be childlike by not turning away anyone to those who don't like us, to those who despise us, to those who run away from us, to those who hurt us. God wants us to love them. And so he says... Whoever welcomes a little child like this in my name welcomes me. And he's not talking just about physical children here. He's using physical children to teach us the example of humility. But he's also using physical children to teach us the spiritual truth of what all of us can be. And that is that we can all be a child of God. And what he's saying here is when you welcome another child of God... It's like you are welcoming me. And when you treat a fellow Christian with love and respect, it's how you treat me. Now, if you don't treat them with love and respect, that's also how you treat me. But you don't want to do that. I want you to have childlike faith, and I want you to have childlike actions by receiving other people, being part of the community, being part of the family, and loving one another, and becoming like a child, and having the faith of trusting in Jesus, and knowing he is your king, and loving him as he loves you. Mother Teresa gives us some practical advice on how we can be childlike, and how we can be humble. And you have that there in your outline. And I want to read it slowly. And I want you to mentally highlight or even physically highlight any of these that you feel you need to practice even today. These are the few ways we can practice humility. To speak as little as possible of oneself. To mind one's own business. Not to want to manage other people's affairs. To avoid curiosity. To accept contradictions and corrections cheerfully. To pass over the mistakes of others. To accept insults and injuries. 
to accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked. To be kind and gentle, even under provocation. Never to stand on one's dignity. To choose always the hardest. We can be humble. And we can be like a little child. We can be like the rainbow fish who learn to give and to put other people first, to learn to share and to be part of a family. At the end of the book, I didn't read this to the children. I wanted to save it for you. <laughs> and there's the picture after he's given his scales to the other fish. And now everybody has a pretty scale, and he has one, and they all share it together. And then it says, The little blue fish whizzed through the ocean with his scale flashing. So it didn't take long before the rainbow fish was surrounded by the other fish. Everyone wanted a glittering scale. The rainbow fish shared his scales left and right. And the more he gave away, the more delighted he became. When the water around him filled with glimmering scales, he at last felt at home among the other fish. When we hold on to that which is ours, that's why we don't feel at home among others. But when we give ourselves away to others, and they have a part of us on them and in them, we see that on them or in them, and we are at home with them. For us, where do we get the glittering scales? Who is the glittering scale? His name is Jesus. And he gives us the glittering scales of grace and of love and of goodness and of peace. And he gives it to us that we can share it. And as often as we share it, he returns it to us and it never goes away. And he calls us to be childlike. He calls us to a life that surrenders our trust to him, surrenders our life to him. In James the Bible says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The more we are humble, the more we receive the glittering scale of grace. And the more we can give it to others. And then the more we give it to others, the more we receive it back ourselves. James concludes and he says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And this is what God will do for all of us as we trust him with childlike faith, as we seek to be humble as he is humble, and as we rest in the truth that our God is great and that he loves us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us and for your goodness and for your grace and for the fact that your grace never ends, never runs out. And that though you are a God of all greatness, you are also the God of all humility, who gave us his son Jesus, who would even die on a cross so that we could be king's subjects with him, followers of the king who live in his kingdom. Lord, may we desire that, and may we love you, and may we love others, and may we be humble and may we be childlike. Lord, help us to know this kind of love.
that we might be great, even as you are great, even as you tell us to be childlike in greatness. In Jesus' name, the great King, we pray. Amen.